following is a presentation of Cornerstone Bible Church in Virginia Beach. For more information on Cornerstone, as well as additional sermon downloads, please visit cbcvirginia.com. Merry Christmas. Okay, that was pathetic, but all right, thank you. I do like Christmas. Well, we were having a conversation out in the hallway this morning. It was me and Jared Riggs and I think Jordan and Seth. Jared came up to me, and this is based off a conversation from a few weeks ago. He said, listen, you don't have to do church discipline on me. I watched White Christmas with my family. How many of you like the movie White Christmas? Thank you. That's a great movie. Don't shake your head at me, Ed. That's a great movie, all right? It's a great movie. And I told him a few weeks ago that he had to watch White Christmas or else he wasn't even really a good father or husband or Christian or citizen, human. I don't know what else I said, but uh, so he, was, he did it. I enjoy Christmas a lot. Um, I enjoyed our experience this week with one exception. There was one gift that my wife received that I am I'm not sure what to do with it. She uh, was given by the Shellhearts, who I do not believe are here today, a little plush Captain America doll. If you don't know the joke there, I apologize for all of you. I'm not going to explain it, but they gave her a little plush Captain America doll. And I knew about it in advance. He had texted me a picture of this, and I laughed. I thought it was funny. So she gets it, ha-ha, big deal. Except that two nights ago, I came in our bedroom, and I find it on the bed at her spot next to her pillow. Which, granted, I put there. So it's not, I thought that would be funny in and of itself. So we laughed about it, ha-ha. The next night, last night, it's there again, and this time I did not put it there. So I am starting to worry about this now. Uh, everything else we did was great, and we had a lot of fun. I hope you did, too. We're going to read Titus chapter 3. I have no slides for you today. We're just going to do something very simple, very short. Titus chapter 3, verses 1 through 8, and then we will go to the Lord together in prayer. If you will, please look at verse 1. Paul writes to this young pastor named Titus serving on the island of Crete, and he says to him, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. Fathers, we come to this final Sunday this year where we get to gather to worship you as we take just these few minutes together as a family, um, with what's left of us at least here anyway. I pray that as we think back on 2014 that we will be able to really truly reflect on your goodness and your kindness that has been poured out on us richly all throughout this year. That's true for us as individuals, that's true for us as families, that's true for us as a church body. 
And I pray, Lord, that even as we think into next year, into what's, what lies ahead, that as we seek to grow personally, to be more like you, as we, as we seek as a church to grow, to be more, the, more and more the body of Christ here in Hampton Roads, I pray that all of that seeking and all of that growth that we pursue will be premised on all that you have done for us and the goodness and kindness that appeared to us in the coming of your Son. So help us not to forget these basic truths as we end this year, begin this next. And I just pray, Lord, that as we do, you will continue to use us in whatever ways you choose to reach this area with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We thank you for your word and the ability to spend a few minutes in it. I pray you will bless it, open our eyes to see in Jesus' name. Amen. It is, as I was just praying there, a moment to sort of look back and look ahead just very naturally. I think we as people tend to give ourselves a little bit to some of these kinds of uh, moments in life and and try to take advantage of them as best we can. But I've been thinking back a little bit on 2014. I even uh, looked back a little bit at my calendar because I I like to use my calendar not just to plan ahead but also to think back to remember what's gone on. Some of you could do the same. I won't name names. But anyway, uh, uh, mainly to look ahead. But uh, I, I was looking back this week, and the thing that stood out to me about 2014, just based on my calendar and emails and stuff, was nothing big happened. Like, as I look back in my life, there weren't like any big, woo, you know, fireworks kind of moments or events. There were things that clearly stood out, things that were a big deal for me personally, for us as a family, for us as a church. But there was nothing huge on the calendar bad or really good and I'm kind of the type of person who actually likes it that way like I think that the majority of of the big things that happen in life don't occur in the big moments I think that the majority of the big things that really matter that really last in life happen in all the mundane small moments that just pile up one on top of the other the steady slow plotting of life some people like the big fireworks events where everything's going on and you're like whoa that was huge and uh, I guess that's okay. I just, in my experience, it just hasn't worked out like that in life. I think, I think God shows his faithfulness more in the small things. And so I look back and I just reflected that that's exactly what I saw. There was no big moments that really grabbed my attention. And yet, I saw God's goodness and faithfulness all over this past year, both to us as a family and then also for our church. It just, I just look around this room at all the faces, people I know and love, and I think of, of just how God has worked in all of our lives throughout this year, slowly, steadily making us more and more like his son. And as I think to next year and I think about, you know, what we should be focused on and thinking about, that's exactly what I think for the future, that we should continue to be thinking ahead to the the little things, to the slow, steady plotting where the spirit through time and through his word just slowly molds us and changes us. And and it's interesting as you you think about that, that, there's kind of a, a component of those ideas of the looking ahead and looking back here in Titus chapter 3. And in Titus chapter 3 verse 1, as I said, you've got Paul, this apostle who is experienced and he's wise and he's in prison now. He has suffered for the gospel. He has suffered for ministry and he's writing to this young pastor who doesn't know anything probably, who's been put in charge of this church here on the island of Crete and he's trying to help him understand what it is he should be doing. And so he starts here in verse 1 of chapter 3 by says, listen, remind them, your people, remind them to be seven things. Number one, submissive to rulers and authorities. And he doesn't put any parameters around that, so I just take that to be all rulers and authorities you have in whatever realm of life 
You as a believer should be characterized by submission to them. Number two, be obedient. Number three, be ready for every good work. There should never be a moment in your life where you see a good work, a good deed, something that needs to be met in front of you where you're not ready to jump in and meet it. It's not pick up the phone and call someone else. It's you go do it. Be ready for every good work. Uh, Speak evil of no one. After a week with family. (laughs) How many of us need to repent on that one, huh? Uh, I would be one of them. And the next one too, avoid quarreling. Uh, Number six, being gentle. And number seven, showing Perfect courtesy, perfect meekness, mildness, uh, um, being tender towards others, perfect courtesy towards all people. He gives Titus these seven things to to encourage and remind the, the believers there in Crete to be doing. But that's not all he does, because he now says, look, as you look to the future, as you're thinking about these things you need to focus on, why should you be doing them? Well, here's why, beginning in verse 3. For we ourselves were once seven things. Number one, foolish. Number two, we were once disobedient. Number three, we were once led astray. Number four, we were once slaves to various passions and pleasures, a very broad comment. Number five, we were once passing our days in malice, just a general nastiness and envy, that desire for what other people have. Number six, we were once hated by others. And number seven, we once hated one another. Okay, so the reason we should be doing all of these things, these first things he gave us, is because we were once all of this stuff, but something huge changed. Verse four, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared. And I want you just to pause there and think very carefully about this because has God always been good and full of loving kindness? Yes. Okay, it's an easy one. He has been. Yet he's not really focusing so much on God's general goodness and his general loving kindness. He's focusing on a specific moment where those two qualities of God appeared visibly. Boom. Here they are. And when is that? Jesus. Okay. When God, when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, when Jesus came, the embodiment of God's goodness, he saved us. Jesus saved us. For what reason? Because of works done by us in righteousness? No, no. We see the seven things that were once true of us when we were foolish and disobedient and led astray and slaves and passing our days and hating everybody else and having them hate us. It was when we were like that that Jesus appeared and saved us. Not according to the works of our righteousness, but according to his own mercy. He did not give us what we deserved. He had mercy on us and he washed us with regeneration, meaning he gave us new life. He renewed the spirit within us and he poured it out on us richly, lavishly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. He ties all of these amazing changes that have occurred in our life back to Jesus. Very simple, very very easy to grab, uh, put our minds around, grasp a hold of. Brings us back to Jesus. For what purpose? Verse 7. So that being justified by his grace, 
we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. God wanted us as his sons and daughters, and so he justified us by his grace. And now, now verse 8, okay? The saying is trustworthy. Well, what saying? All these things that he's just reminded us about our past. All these things that he's just reminded us that we have in Jesus, that we have been forgiven, we have been saved, we have been given new life, we've been given the Spirit of God within us to make us heirs of God. All of that came not because we deserved it. It came in spite of all of that. It came when we were all of those seven things. Jesus, in his mercy and grace, gave us all of those things. That saying is trustworthy. And I want you now, Titus, to insist on these things, those seven he started with. As they think to the future, as they look ahead, they cannot do so apart from the trustworthiness of the gospel of its changes that is brought in their life, so that those who believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. Listen, we're about to start a new year. You're about to look ahead, whether you're going to have personal you know, resolutions, goals, whatever. You're going to hopefully have some spiritual ones as well in that mix. I, I hope you do. I hope you set some of those things for, for pursuing change, for cha- trying to be more like Christ this year. All of that is good. All of that is right. I think Paul would agree. He would be with, with, with me up here saying kind of, listen, pursue these things. Remind them of these things. Those first seven, those are great. If you want to pick seven to work on, those are good, a good seven. Remind them of these things, but also remind them of the fact that none of that is possible apart from Christ. Remind them of the fact that none of that change occurs in a vacuum. It occurs because we have had a very loving gracious, merciful, good, kind Father who sent his Son, made his goodness and kindness appear so that he could save us, wash us, change us, and pour out his Spirit lavishly on us. So as we think ahead this year, I'm just challenging you, reminding you very quickly, very simply, think back. Don't think back to a time when you thought you were a better person. (laughs) That's No, think way back. Think to what God has done for us in Christ and base everything that you do this coming year on that truth. Will you bow your heads with me just for a moment? Jesus, as we look to 2015, as we remember 2014, we do not want to do that without remembering Christ. We believe, Father, that ultimately any change that occurs in us personally, as as families, as a church, it's based solely, solely in the the power of the Spirit working through us because of what Christ has done for us on the cross. And so we want to begin our year and end our year with that truth at the beginning, the, the, the forefront of our minds, that in all the things we pursue, that in all the things we, we, we go after, that as we think about the changes we'd like to see in our own lives next year, that, that we have to first root our hope and our trust in the gospel. We were once all of the things that we now don't want to be. How were those things overcome? They weren't overcome by our power. They were overcome by the cross. We once gave our lives to so many other pursuits. What stopped us? Was it, was it our abilities? No, it was your grace. Forgive us then, Lord, for as we think to the future from where we are now, thinking we can somehow do further changes on our own. We can't. 
And so I pray, Lord, that Cornerstone in 2015 will be a church that is characterized by dependence on Christ, depend, uh, dependent on the gospel changing us slowly in the slow, steady plotting of life to, to make us each day, each hour, each moment more and more and more like Christ. So we commit ourselves to that this year. Help us to be faithful, to do our part in that process, but we depend on you for all things. In Jesus' name, amen.